rises from the deep, and more coming up on today's episode of The Lakes and Tech News. Hey Gadgeteer, you're just in time for the latest episode of the world's fastest growing show on tech and gadget news. That's right, this is The Lakes and Tech News. My name is Taylor Merrick, and you heard right. Our feature stories will be taking a look at the Black Shark 4 and 4 Pro. Uh, it's a gaming smartphone, and uh, the stats might well be rather impressive. So we'll, we'll be taking a look at that. We'll also be taking a look at Facebook's Clubhouse rival. Uh, looks a lot like Clubhouse right now. Facebook apparently is like, oh, we got we to gotta jump in on this too, guys. So come on. Not for crying out loud. We'll also be taking a look at Lime adding features to make scooter sharing less stressful. Apparently, there's claims about two-thirds of Google searches not even having a one-click result. And so Google's like, well, hey, guys, we actually want to clear that up. Because uh, it, it, the study itself proved kind of interesting. Like, seriously, a whole bunch of searches are made and nobody clicks on any of the results? Well... Let's dig into that. Let's see. Does it actually hold up? Is it misleading? Um, so we'll be taking a look at that. And finally, we'll be taking a look at spatial launching and immersive audio for homes, offices, and theme parks. And this is actually uh, an interesting technology aspect about immersive audio that I want to take a look at. As always, if you want to get anything mentioned on today's show, be sure you are subscribed, following part of the email list, and you can get all the details that you need, want, and more, along with, well, the, the fun perks that come along with being part of the show. Uh, I'm working on those as we speak. If you're supporting the show, soon you might actually be getting rewards such as a coffee mug, maybe a t-shirt, a hoodie, cool stuff like that. Sound cool? Well, I'll have details for that shortly. So stay tuned. Let's head on over to today's feature article. All right. So this article comes to us from the Android police. Apparently gaming phones are getting more and more popular. I wonder why. Could it be people want more power in a smaller screen as opposed to, I don't know, a powerful computer that they could play the video games on or, or like a, like a console. It's, it seems to me like it's smartphones time to rise. And uh, while Xiaomi is keeping up the pace with its Black Shark series, the latest iteration, the Black Shark 4 and 4 Pro have popped up in a Chinese source. You can pre-order one today with the phones set to release to China on Thursday, the 25th. And international release date has not been set yet. But what, what are we looking at stat-wise here? Well, the Black Shark 4 Pro uses a Snapdragon 888 processor, Qualcomm's biggest and baddest available. It's paired to either 8 gigs or 12 gigs of ultra-fast LPDDR5 RAM with 256 gigs of storage on both models. But those aren't exactly hard to find these days. The more obvious giveaway that this is a gaming phone are the dedicated mechanical shoulder buttons on the side. Slide the locks away to let them pop up. And like the shoulder buttons on the Black Shark 3, they can be bound to touch areas on the screen for integration with really more or less any game. But if you want the mechanical shoulder buttons, you now have that option. The 4 Pro uses a 6.67 inch AMOLED 1080p screen. 
with a maximum refresh rate of 144 hertz, beating most gaming phones. It also has two zones of pressure sensitivity, as in the amount of pressure applied, not just touch sensitive, allowing for further integration into games that can't support it. Its battery is a 4500 mAh, typical for a phone this size, but supports fast charging at a completely bonkers 120 watts, with the charger included in the box. Family says it can charge 90% of the battery in a little more than half an hour. It looks like they have a video that goes along with it too. Well, in terms of cameras on the Pro, they have a 64 megapixel main shooter, 8 megapixel ultra wide, 5 megapixel macro with a 20 megapixel centered front camera. In terms of style, the flat black version actually looks fairly buttoned down. Um, nice and if you don't notice the side buttons and the led triangle logo on the back stays unlit you'd have a hard time telling it's a gaming phone of course that goes out the window if you get the so empty black version uh it's auto translated by the way unsure if that's the official name it's layered semi-transparent glass shifts around as you look at it in a much more flashy but not unappealing way the phone's a bit chunky at 9.9 millimeters but that's thick enough to include a headphone jack and side-mounted fingerprint reader. The dual SIM radio works with 5G, and for absolutely intense sessions, you can click on the sold separately cooling module. Um, let's see, the Black Shark 4 Pro, a, it starts at, well, it says 4,000. I'm trying to remember the exact, um, it, it can't be in a, the Chinese currency that they have um but if you're talking about u.s dollars the black shark 4 pro is at 615 dollars and 690 dollars respectively and then as for the non-pro it's a it's kind of a slightly scaled down version um it looks looks pretty interesting um in terms of yeah, it, it drops one of the cameras. It keeps the shoulder buttons, most of the rest of the hardware. And uh, it's slightly cheaper, probably in the, like the $500 range for a gaming smartphone. That's unheard of. I mean, we're sitting here looking at iPhones, the latest and greatest at a thousand plus. And, and here's China popping out gaming smartphones that are packed full of hardware and tech for like 700 between five and 700. It's it's. I don't know how to manage to pull it off. Uh, but yeah, if you're looking for a gaming phone, well, you might just have to wait for this one to be released internationally. But if you're in China, uh, details in terms of prices and such and selections and pre-orders are available in the show notes for today's episode. So looks pretty cool. All right, moving on to an article we got from TechCrunch. Facebook's Clubhouse rival looks a lot like Clubhouse right now, and that's because Facebook is building a Clubhouse rival. Uh, I reported on that like all the way back in February, and the New York Times did, and a bunch of other people did. But what that product will look like or how it will work have been questions that have remained unanswered. However, new screenshots of a Facebook audio product still under development, shows what appears to be a live audio broadcast experience that's more of an extension of Facebook's existing messenger rooms rather than a standalone app experience. Facebook confirmed with TechCrunch the images are indeed examples of the company's exploratory audio efforts, but caution they don't represent a live product at this time. But, uh, come on. Come on. We all know. 
The company said also that detailing what a product may look like based on these images would be inaccurate. Uh, but TechCrunch said, screw it, we're publishing it anyway. Uh, but keep in mind, it is in development features that are very different. And anything and everything could still change drastically between now and then. But the images at least help face or demonstrate how Facebook is thinking about live audio and where such a social experience could fit within Facebook's existing app. And that's worth considering, considering that I don't think Facebook wants to make another app. I think they just want everybody to be on one app and uh, use that. So they do have some pictures that go along with it. It looks like they have like buttons where it says choose a room type where it's like live audio broadcast and audio only room to listeners an audio where you can start a private audio room with friends uh, a video button where you can start a private video room with friends and then you can also add people in but it, it looks very much like uh like clubhouse that i'm still trying to get used to some of the interfaces of the room so it's uh it's it's kind of interesting um Speakers are shown at the top of the room where they're represented with larger circular profile pics while the room listeners appear below. There's also a followed by speaker section that leads the audience section again, much like Clubhouse, that obviously is subject to change. Um, the way it's being developed, it would allow for rooms that anyone on Facebook could join and those rooms could be accessible from Facebook itself, meaning you would not have to switch to Messenger to join the room. When not expanded to full screen, the room would display its title, number of speakers, and total listeners so you can get an idea of the room's popularity. So, uh, yeah, they've been, they've been looking at it and, and testing it out. It's no secret that Facebook's CEO Mark Zuckerberg is bullish on audio, of course. In fact, he's already appeared on Clubhouse a couple of times and recently spoke about the product for social audio in a Clubhouse room hosted last week by former TechCrunch editor Josh Costine, now an investor at Signal Fire. During the chat, Zuckerberg says he believes audio has a number of advantages over other formats. Oh, wow, that's crazy. It's almost like we're, we're coming up with the whole radio argument all over again. I mean, it's however the content is pushed out and shared widely the best uh usually gets the most attention and, and and ease of use too which is why podcasting has been around for quite a while and by the way if you're listening to this as a podcast you just proved my point and thank you so much for listening and do make sure that you are subscribed because we do this every single weekday and we only cover the latest news of the day so uh Hope that has been beneficial to you so far and that you continue to stay subscribed and listening. And I think that wraps up the article. Uh, yeah, we'll take a look at the next one. All right. So for those of you who don't know what Lime is, it's a, a scooter sharing company and, and it's a green scooter that people can reserve and use and it's electric powered and it's available only in certain large metropolitan areas because obviously it makes the most sense to have it there. But uh, it is better in some ways as opposed to having an Uber or, or a taxi or a bike or walking. It's an electric scooter. So it, same idea, but it many various cities have various stupidity problems trying to understand what a uh, scooter sharing service is. So Lime's had its share of problems, but Lime is adding more features to make scooter sharing less stressful. 
They're updating its app to make renting one of the company's battery-powered two-wheelers a little easier. Customers can now take advantage of new features like app-less riding, 10-minute reservations, and vehicle configurations to take some of the bite out of scooter sharing. Customers who don't have the Lime app on their phone can still ride by taking a photo of the scooter's QR code and paying through Google Pay or Google Pay or Apple or Google Pay. Lime says it will be a useful tool for first-time riders who don't want to commit or don't have space on their phones. The functionality works by temporarily downloading a portion of Lime's normal app. It uses the Instant Apps feature on Android. On iPhones, it makes use of the new App Clips feature, which arrived last year as part of the update. Reservations could be a potential boon to anyone who has thought to rent a nearby scooter, only to find it gone by the time they arrived at its purported location. After testing out the feature in a couple of key markets, Lime will now allow customers to reserve a scooter for 10 minutes in an effort to take some of the stress out of scooter riding. Lime will also start recommending certain vehicles to its customers, so when you open an app, the company will refer you to the nearest vehicle with the best battery range. Combined with the reservation feature, Lime thinks this will help customers secure their vehicle faster, estimating it will take less than 5 seconds to reserve a scooter after opening the app, and they're also getting a dark mode to help customers see their options better while riding at night. Lime, which operates in 120 cities across 5 continents, is now in growth mode as the weather warms up in certain key markets and uh, they're in talks to uh, possibly do a e-bike type thing um, might be doing some reverse merger kind of thing and it's uh, expecting that number to grow significantly in 2021 so if you happen to live in one of these cities you want to test Lime out but you don't have the app no worries you actually don't need the app and uh, if you do it should well, they're hoping take less than five seconds to reserve a scooter after opening the app. So cool, cool stuff. Um, have you taken advantage of Lime? I know I haven't. I think I've seen it around in the, in areas and cities I've traveled in and throughout. And it seems kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a little bit of that learning curve, but it's not too much of a learning curve. It seems to be more of a learning curve problem on the terms of... Uh, like city regulations for some stupid reason, <laughs> which I'm not going to get into because then it gets all political and I'd rather avoid any and all of that. So with that being said, let's head on over to the next article we got lined up. And by the way, if you guys are interested in anything covered on today's show, head on over to technewsgadget.net to check out the show notes for this show. If you're listening in the Apple podcast app, all you have to do is scroll up and you can actually tap on the articles link well title itself and read it watch the videos look at the pictures anything else included in the article i put that in there for your benefit so please take advantage of that and enjoy this article comes to us from search engine journal and it says google says that zero click claims are misleading so um it, it has a whole lot of information that goes along with it but Google published an article that debunks claims by SparkToro that only 35% or sorry, yeah, searches resulted in a click. Yeah, one one third rather, not two thirds. Google contradicted those assertions with facts about context of searches and traffic, stating that the findings about zero click searches are misleading. You see how I kind of led you on there? It's like, what? Two thirds? No, it's actually one third. The inconvenient truth that SparkToro might not have known about is that rather than steal visits to websites, Google has yearly increased the number of visitors it sends to websites. SparkToro claims that less clicks are going to websites. 
Google shared that they have increased the number of visitors to websites every year. Quote, we send billions of visits to websites every day, and the traffic we've sent to the open web has increased every year since Google Search was first created. We've seen that as we've introduced more of the features over the last two decades, the traffic we're driving to the web has also grown, showing that this is helpful for both consumers and businesses. SparkTotals claims that Google is sending visitor- less visitors to websites every year is incompatible with the fact that Google is sending more visitors to websites every year. Uh, one member of the search community said that it's within the realm of possibility that zero clicks are up and that Google sends more visitors every year, but it's not valid to say that Google is stealing traffic. Um, so then there were they looked into this because SparkToro threw it out um, making waves in 2019 with a research study claiming that less than 50% of searches resulted in a click, and the idea was promoted from the search industry all the way up to the halls of Congress where it was held up as evidence against Google, uh, but there were a lot of problems with that research and that report. Um, one of the flaws was obviously the data contained Google app searches that are not tracked and therefore they could not know if the search result was clicked or not. Um, yeah. The article goes on to explain more things. Statistics without context are problematic. Um, then a question of validity of the zero-click research, but not just Google, the SEO community at large. Um, and there gets to be some conversations going on, but I'm not going to get into all of that. However, I will leave this up for those of you interested in wanting to dig into this in the show notes for this episode. And finally, Spatial launches immersive audio for homes, offices, and theme parks. And speaking of which, um, if you're not subscribed to one of the best tech podcasts on the web and you are listening to this in a podcast app right now, Hit that subscriber follow button. It's absolutely free. It helps me out a lot. It actually helps out even more if you're able to leave a review. So be sure to do that after listening to this show. But the subscribing and following part is easy. Uh, Otherwise, head on over to latestintechnews.com to check out your subscription options and pick your uh, app of choice, whether you have an Android or Apple phone. But... Spatial Inc. is unveiling a new kind of immersive audio experience today that will enable the company to create soundscapes of a variety of uses for homes, offices, or theme parks. The startup has also raised an undisclosed amount of funding. They're currently unveiling a real-time product platform as a service for building soundscapes. Spatial, which is registered in Delaware as Spatial X, not to be confused with the AR VR company Spatial, is positioning itself to lead interactive soundscape design for creators. So they're targeting everyone who would like to have the audio experiences of home theaters wherever they go, even to outdoor venues. Uh, in contrast to home theaters that are contained by walls, Spatial plans to create sound experiences that adapt to the audio environment. So They said they're really looking at reinventing sound for immersion. If you look at traditional audio, everything from stereo to surround sound, Dolby Atmos, it's all built around structured environments, structured room layouts, and listener position. It's well understood. For immersive audio, it's a different set of challenges entirely. It's just how you trick people's minds into believing that something is actually real, and how you make it real-time and interactive and flexible. Um, So they, they have a team. 
that you're putting together. And there's a big opportunity for Spatial as these worlds blend up from and scale from home gaming rigs to esports stadiums and full theme parks where there could be hundreds of speakers. And, oh, man, they're testing this out. And this could prove to be pretty, pretty cool. I mean, how would you like to go to a stadium or, or, or a theme park and just have it completely immersed? Oh, man, that'd be cool. Uh, so they're obviously working on that. They do have patents that go along with it. They are quite familiar with the work. Um, they have people coming from Electronics Art, LucasArts, um, Pixar, Disney, all of that. So they do have investors as well, including DBL Partners, BigCraft Ventures, as well as Strategic Investors, National Geographic Society. So, uh, yeah, they have an engine that they're working on to... Uh, Work on the sound scenes, being flexible to scale and adapt to each location, small area, scene scale, uh, park with thousands of speakers. Yeah. Um, among the things it can do is mask the sound of your neighbors. And it's... They, they um, have also created audio tools dubbed Spatial Studio. And this article is actually pretty in-depth as well, so I'll make sure... They have a link in the show notes, but this is definitely worth a read if you guys are kind of figuring out where would an immersive audio go in the near and long-term future? What 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 would we be looking at here? Oh man, I can't wait. This is this is where it gets cooler and better and faster and uh more immersive. So I've repeated it enough times for you guys to know what kind of audio we're talking about. So all right, that covers all of the articles. I'm double checking. Yep, I think we're good. Sorry, I was looking over at my producer who apparently didn't want to drink any coffee today. Um, eh, whatever. You'll, you'll be fine. Just take a nap, sleep it off. Anyways, <laughs> that wraps up this episode of the Lace and Tech News. Thanks for tuning in. The Lace and Tech News can be found on every major platform, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever else podcasts are found. If you enjoyed this episode, let us know by leaving a review and sharing this episode with a friend. Also, double-check that you are subscribed and following for free so that you don't miss the next episode. I'm your host, Taylor Merrick, and remember, for the latest in tech, gadget, and gaming news, visit technewsgadget.net. Pretty much keeping awesome, guys, and I'll see you on the flip side.